Well, good morning from me. Um, and uh, we are, as you may well know, we are uh, partway through a series that we're looking at the Beatitudes, the blessed attitudes that Jesus talks about at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, each of them is really a window for us and, and uh, a way to seeing the path to joy in the kingdom of heaven. And today's, the, the, the end goal of today's really is, is to, to be in a place where day to day we know and experience and enjoy closeness with God. That we, um, we know is friendship in our everyday. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but that is something that for me I, I'm longing for. And uh, so I've been trying to pay close attention to what Jesus says in this particular beatitude. And you can find it in Matthew chapter 5 uh, and it's verse 8. I'll read it to you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's our verse for today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Um, and uh, blessed, as we've said, uh, the word can be translated happy or even congratulations. And so this is a verse about happiness, as every single one of them is. And it's really saying that happiness comes from seeing God. Happiness comes from beholding Him. Uh, and as I've, as I've um, just had to spend some time thinking about what is Jesus saying when he says that we will see God. Um, you know, one of the things that he's saying that's really hit me is that he's just, he's just reminding us afresh and telling us anew that we will one day see God face to face. That we're gonna, we are going to look him in the eyes. Isn't that crazy just to think about that? It's like a normal Sunday. We just got to church or we're watching it on the live stream and we go about our everyday business and we don't often, I know I don't, stop to pause to consider the magnitude of some of what Jesus says. And the way that I picture that moment is I imagine it often um, like what happens at a wedding. If you've ever been to a wedding, you know that the highlight of the service is when the bride walks in. And everybody stands and they turn to look at the bride. But also, what lots of us do in that moment is as well as looking at the bride, we're also looking at the groom because we want to see him cry, right? We want to see his reaction. And, and we love, in British society, we keep our emotions all very well buttoned down. But in moments like that, it's like you can't help it. And the, the raw emotion of the groom comes to the surface in that moment and you can see that he's gazing at this woman that he knows and has known for years. Unless it's one of those reality TV programs where they get married at first sight. But in most cases, he's known her for years and, and, and yet there's this look of wonder on his face. It's like he's seeing her for the first time. It's like in that moment, he's, he's just recognising, again, that the vastness of it and the wonder of it is that that's the beginning of the rest of his life um, with that woman. And I imagine um, when we see him face to face, there'll be something of that going on for all of us, that we will, even though we've known him, many of us for years, and we're familiar with his heart and his ways, and we see him in his son Jesus, we will see him as it were for the first time fully revealed in his glory and, uh, and we'll recognise in that moment this really is the beginning of eternity with you. Wow. So, so that's a truth that he just, just drops in there and we can put that one in our pocket and we can get that out at other points in the week and, and just enjoy that. Um, but there are layers to the Beatitudes. And so that's one aspect of it. But another aspect, and this is what we're going to focus on, is Jesus is also talking about seeing God now. 
in our normal weeks, being aware of his presence. You know, if someone says to you, I really want to see China or something, we know that when they say that, I want to see China, they're not just talking about seeing a postcard, but they want to they want to feel what it's like to be in a place like China. They want to walk the streets and smell the food and, you know, feel the atmosphere and talk to the people. I want to see it means I want to experience it. I want to savour it. I want to enjoy it. And when Jesus is saying, you will see God, that's what he means. It's more than just we have a vision, but that we have, we experience and we're in relationship with, that we're close to, that we can taste and smell and feel his nearness. And, and, and this is like, can you imagine what it would be like to travel everywhere with your closest friend uh, and know their presence with you? He's talking about that that we would go through the week doing our Excel spreadsheets, dropping the kids off at school, going to Sainsbury's, whatever it is, and we would would know him and see him and be with him in that moment. That's the promise that he holds out before us. And how about you? But when I hear that, I'm like, yes, please. Uh, Ticket for one. I would like some more of that. And and that's where um, it's worth paying attention to what he says in the middle because the key to it all is pure of heart, purity of heart. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does it mean to have a pure heart? Um, Whenever the Bible talks about our hearts, it's not talking about just our emotions. It's really talking about the center of who we are. It's our core, our will, our thoughts, our feelings all wrapped up into that word heart, the core of who we are. And when it talks about a pure heart, again, there's, there's like layers to it. One is that we would have um, a morally pure heart in the way that Jesus does, that we'd have a character like Jesus on the inside, not just pretend to be like him on the outside. So it is talking about that. But again, the bit that um, for us, I think, to concentrate on is to say, to talk about having a pure heart is also to talk about having a devoted heart. Uh, uh, to be wholehearted about something. Another way of putting it might be to say, you know, f- for your heart to fully belong to something. Uh, if, if we were to ask someone, you know, what football team they supported and they would just say, it's pure Man United. No one would probably use that phrase, but we would know if they did what they meant. It's just like, that's where, that's where my heart fully belongs. So it's that. And so the opposite of a pure heart is a divided heart. It's a heart that is uh, torn between two things. Another way of putting it might be to say that we're double-minded. And that is not a happy place to live, to live in indecision, to live torn between two and even more things is a miserable and an unhappy place to live. And, um, uh, you know, Mike was talking about being a father. Like one of the things that, that for me as a dad, I find is that I don't get a lot of free time, not a lot of time to myself. And so there is the odd occasion where Beth says, look, I'll take the boys, you have a day off, or at least two hours off, and, um, and you know, and you can enjoy those. And in, and in moments like that, um, immediately what I begin to feel is like a pressure. I, this is like gold for me. I only have these tiny moments. I have to make sure they really genuinely energize me and feed into my tank and whatever else the language is. And so usually I'll go to Netflix because I never get to watch what I want. I always have to watch Teletubbies. So I'll go to Netflix and I'll be like, okay, 
choose something good. And then I'm confronted with like hundreds and hundreds of options and I'll scroll through. And does anybody else spend more time trying to choose what to watch on Netflix than actually watching it? So I'll, I'll go through and then I'll be like, okay, it's a choice between these things. And I'll settle eventually for one because 45 minutes of my 90 minutes has disappeared choosing. I'll settle for the one. And then unless it's literally like an Oscar winning performance, I am dissatisfied because I wish I'd chosen the other thing. So I'm watching it, but I'm kind of torn and not enjoying what I'm watching because I should have chosen something else. And we have that when we order in a restaurant. Should I choose this or this? I chose this. It arrives. You're like, man, this is the wrong decision. So not enjoying the meal you're eating. You're regretting the fact it wasn't the first meal. And so living in a place like that is no way to live. And that's on a little scale, much more on a big scale. Um, it, it, it's living half in, half out, one foot in, one foot out, not really enjoying being there and, 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 and yet kind of wanting to be there at the same time. And Jesus is presenting this picture to us of a full, committed, devoted heart that you've gone all in, in the same direction. And if we look at the world around us, we see that people that tend to do that, the people that tend to excel at things, are people who are um, devoted in the way they give themselves to, to one thing. So I've got a few photos to show. Can we put the first one up? Usain Bolt, obviously the fastest man on earth. What did he do? He went all in for running. That was his, that was his devotion. It was what, where his heart belonged. Let's have a look at the next one. Ed Sheeran, the master himself, the bard. Like he has, he has created beautiful music because he's gone all in. It's, it's consumed his life. Have a look at the next one. Serena Williams, again, utterly, utterly dedicated, ruthlessly committed to becoming the best tennis player in the world. Have a look at the next one. That's Mike, dressed as a hot dog. Um, you can tell what I'm getting at with that. Utterly, completely devoted to food. If, if, you're, if you're wondering about the context for that, it's the Soul Survivor Festival's uh, fancy dress party. Um, but, but, you know, his life has become really about one thing in that sense. And, and what you see is when people do that and they give themselves in that kind of way, then, then, then they, they get somewhere. They really, they really make it. Um, in many ways. And that doesn't always sit easily. Those people tend to be the exception. I don't know about you, but I find that it's, it's easier rather than my life being dominated by some overwhelming passion. Isn't it so much easier to just drift along, to go with the flow, to, to, to be blown here or there by the latest trend and by the latest thing that's doing the rounds on social media? I better join in with that now. Oh, we're doing that this week. Oh, we're cancelling so-and-so now. We can end up hedging our bets and living half in, half out. Um, we, we, we're drawn to it in many ways. We think we're going to enjoy things more if we don't fully commit, if we've got the opt-out. So if I, if, if I can join a gym with a, with a you can quit when you want, I'll choose that. If I can have a phone contract that lets me out whenever I want, I'll choose that one. We like that idea. Um, and yet what Jesus is saying and what he's holding before us in this verse is a way of living that is utterly all in, fully committed. This isn't the only place he says it. He says it in so many ways in other places, but probably the best would be when someone says to him, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And his response is, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. 
And his invitation to us is to, to say yes to that. And so we have these people around us that are examples. Oh, wow, they excelled at athletics. They excelled at sport. They excelled at music. And people are ambitious to be successful at this, popular in that way, famous because of that. And our, the dream for us, our great ambition is Jesus, is him, is to pursue him with every breath that we have, with all the thoughts in our mind and all the strength in our arms, it's to lay ourselves out for him and to go all in. That's what it is to have a pure heart. Here's the next question. Do you feel like you've got one? And I ask that because I hear that's what it is to have a pure heart and I'm thinking, uh-oh, major failure alert. I don't have this. This isn't how I live. Um, and we can feel like failures because when we hear it's about that, of course, none of us are there. None of us match up to that. And, um, and my response can be, when, I've, when, I've, when I've become aware of that, my response can be, number one, guilt and shame. And then secondly, beating myself up. And I can think, I better get my act together and then I can come to God with a pure heart. That's so often how I've done it. And I've realized in recent years, that's not that's not what he's about. It's not get your act together and then come to me. It's, it's so, you have, so you're struggling, so this is hard. Great, come to me with that. Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're burdened. Come to me if you've sinned and made mistakes and got it wrong. And come and just bring the mess and then we'll work it through together. Come to me if you feel like your heart is divided and we'll work it through together. And so where we feel like we, we, we're not there, the solution is not to willpower ourselves to a place like that because we'll never manage it. We'll set ourselves up to fail. The solution is to come to him and just be honest and then to say, would you create that in me? Would you create that desire for you in me? One of my heroes in the Bible is King David and he's my hero partly because he's got a heart after God. That's how he's described. But David... The man with a heart after God murdered somebody and had an affair. That's a pretty bad week if you're a quote-unquote heart after God. And what he did when he did that is he came back to the Lord and he said, I'm so sorry. Uh, and, and to quote him, Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. I'm so not there. Would you, would you create that in me? That's where we go first. Um, remembering that the Bible isn't a book full of people who got there and were perfect. It's a, full of, uh, it's a book full of people who made mistakes and got it wrong, but they just kept coming back to him. And that's how it's always going to work. You know, with someone like Usain Bolt, he would, yes, he was the fastest man in the world, but he, he would have had weeks and probably seasons even where he wasn't that disciplined and where he, he, didn't, you know, he didn't get it right. But, but what made him ultimately succeed is that when he hit those moments and he had those weeks, he did come back to being, this is the overarching drive of my life. I want to come back to this. Mike has had similar moments where he's decided, no, I'm not going to eat loads of food. And he's tried very hard to diet, but eventually his first love has drawn him back and he's come back into the fold. And what we're saying to the Lord when we say create this desire in me is not that we, we can expect we'll never drift, but that he would become for us almost like the centre of our gravity. 
that, that whatever happens and however we mess it up, we would always just gravitate back to him because we can't stand to be apart from him. So we ask him to help us. And we remember as part of this, and this is something I've had to remind myself of frequently as, I, as I've read the verse again and again, is this isn't a condition he's setting in order to see God. You can only see God if you're really pure. That's absolutely not what he's saying. If you're following Jesus, you've already seen God. He made himself known to us when we were a long way away and very wretched. So it's not a condition in order to see him. But what it is, is it's a consequence. It's like, if you, if you are increasingly devoted, you just will begin to see and enjoy him everywhere you look. It's the overflow of it. So think about it like this. Um, I remember I was thinking this week about when I started to get to know Beth, my wife, my now wife. And I really fancied her a long time before she was a, even knew I existed. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but when I started to fancy her, what began to happen is I just began to be hyper aware of Beth. Um, I would walk into church... And instinctively, I would scan the room to see if she was already here. I would go to a party. I would see, is Beth at the party? The moment I clocked her, I, I, wouldn't, I was trying not to be too keen. So I wouldn't go up to straight away and start talking. And, you know, like that. But I, throughout the whole night, I knew exactly where she was in the room. And I knew who she was talking to. And I was assessing them as competition. And she laughed pretty hard at that joke. I might need to go and listen in. And I was hyper aware to the point where if she messaged me, it would be like, she's messaged me. I would ring my friends and tell them, she's messaged me. My mum, my own mum, who, who, who gave birth to me and has sacrificed me my entire life, I'd ignore messages from my mum. But Beth, who I don't even know, messages me and suddenly I'm really interested. It's like I, I was so attentive to what was going on. And I began to learn where she likes to hang out. I understand this is stalker-like behaviour. And I do not apologise. I would go to like a shop that she liked and, and she would turn up and be like, oh, what a coincidence. Fancy seeing you here. I've only been waiting here for four hours. Um, but it's like we happen to bump into each other everywhere. Isn't this hilarious? You know, maybe we should go and get a drink. So it's like, it was like that. I, I, and but what was happening? What was happening was this. I began to fall in love with her so I couldn't take my eyes off her. Do you see? That's what he's saying. He's saying, when you fall in love with him, you won't, you'll see him because you won't be able to look anywhere else. You'll walk into a room and you'll be like, where is he in this space? You wake up in the morning, what does he want to say to me today? Where does he like to hang out? He'll say something to you as you read the word and you'll be like, I'm going to ring my friend. He's just spoken to me. You won't be able to take your eyes off him is what he's saying. You'll suddenly become aware of him everywhere. It's not the condition, it's the consequence of becoming devoted. And so how we grow in devotion is it starts with just, I can't grow in devotion. I'm going to ask you to do it in me. Create in me a desire. And then what we can do to help, to help him, not to do it ourselves, but to help him, is we can take time to be with him. Time. Ah, that's where my heart can sink. 
because I can feel like I ain't got no time. I don't think you understand how busy I am. And I need to say, I do understand. Even as I say it, I get it. Mike talked about sharing, sharing a story of as being a dad. I have four little boys. If you've ever watched the live stream where they've turned up at the end, you get a tiny little window into my life, which is chaos, complete and utter chaos. And yesterday, Beth had to go out and do something for a bit. So I was left at home with, with four boys, the, number thir- the third one of whom we are currently trying to potty train. And... Um, and I remember, I was just, it's just frantic. They're all screaming at me all the time. They all want different things. They all move in opposite directions. And I feel like I'm being torn, talk about being divided in all sorts of pieces. And I remember there was a moment where I was just busy, frantically trying to do something for one of the other ones. And then Caleb came in and he's just wet his trousers, all right? And already I feel like I've let Beth down because she said to me really clearly, you've got to keep checking, you've got to keep checking. If he looks like he needs the toilet, take him to the toilet. He's already wet his trousers. She's only been out of the house for about 10 minutes. And so I took his, I took his trousers off and um, I was like, okay, I'll leave him with no trousers on while I put these in the wash, while I do this other thing, and then in about two or three minutes, I'll put some more trousers on him. Well, two or three minutes passed, and Caleb came back into the room, and this time he smells not of wee, but of poo. And um, I look at his bum, and there is poo there, and I'm thinking, oh my word, what has he done? I know what he's done. Where has he done it? Um, and then I start running around the house trying to find the poo before Zachary, child number four, eats the poo. Um, and eventually I found this smear, this brown smear, and I followed it. And it went all the way up the stairs. And what had happened is he did a poo at the top of the stairs and then he went down the stairs on his bum. <laughs> And so it's literally like this trail that starts pretty thick towards the top of the carpet. And obviously, as the the rubbing takes its toll, it's less and less as you get towards the bottom. Then I'm like, oh my word, I've got to get a bucket. And and I'm getting a bucket and I'm scrubbing the carpet. And I think I've got to get this done before Beth gets back. I'm holding Zachary off with one foot because he's trying to, he thinks it's chocolate. And, And it was just an absolute nightmare. That's what Beth came home to. And so if you feel like you're already at capacity, I can relate to you. I understand what it's like to have no time, not even two or three minutes to yourself. I get them to bed. It's like all I want to do is just sit in a dark room and stare at a wall and have no one talk to me. And so when we say, oh, it's make time for him, it's like, oh, I haven't got the time to make. I get that. But if we long to see him more, that is where it starts. Finding any and every way. And it doesn't have to be long, but just moments at the start of a day, in the middle of a day or at the end of a day, whenever it can work for you, those moments can become, if you like, the tiny bit of cordial that you put into the water that suddenly flavours the whole day with his presence. And the reason for that is because in those moments of quiet prayer with the word, just sitting and being, we begin to recognise his presence as already with us. Mike tells a story, and I finished with this, um, that I loved. It's probably apocryphal, but it makes the point. uh, About a farmer who um, had one of those old-fashioned ticking, big ticking watches. And he went out to do the hay one day and he piles all this hay really high in his barn and loses the watch in the process. And he's devastated because it was very precious to him. But he spends hours trying to find it. He just can't find it, sifting through all the hay. 
And so he goes back to the, uh, the, the house and he sits there with his, with his family and his son just notices he looks sad and he says, what's, what's up, Dad? And Dad says, I lost the watch and I can't find it. And the boy says, I'll find it for you and gets up and runs off to the barn. And then what do you know? 45 minutes later, he comes back and he's brought the watch with him. The dad can't believe it. He's like, how on earth did you do that? I was looking for that for hours. And then the boy described what he did. He said, well, I went into the barn and I climbed up on top of all the hay and then I just lay still as quiet as I could, calmed my breath even, tried to slow my heart down. And there came a moment after being still for a little while where I just heard tick, tick, tick. And I realised where it was. Listening to God, one principle is so often, it's when we turn aside from all the frantic busyness and we find a, a moment of quiet and a moment of stillness and we sit there, you know, with no agenda. It doesn't be we have to hear loads of stuff and write it down, just to be. But more often than not, as we do that, we begin to hear tick, tick, tick. And cultivating a habit of doing that as often as we can and helping each other do it is one of the healthiest things we can do. And it will be like God just puts more and more of himself into us and we begin to see him more and more and it becomes this virtuous circle and uh, Mike said and I couldn't agree more last week about how as a church family this is the direction we want to go to pursue him to do all the other things he calls us to do obviously but first and foremost to be a people that are to him for him and about him and none of us are there and that's okay. It's a journey we will continue on until that moment of seeing him face to face comes. We'll all continue on. And we don't have to pretend. What we can do though, is we can cheer each other on, text each other, support each other and say, let's make him together our great ambition. As brothers and sisters, as friends in the Lord, let's go towards him with everything we have. And let's see where that takes us. And we can be confident as we do so that that is going to lead us to a place of joy. Why? Because Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Put another way, he says, when you're all in for him, congratulations, because you're going to begin to experience and enjoy him everywhere. Amen.